the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. And as usual, I was probably too ambitious when I selected what our scripture reading would be, so I'm going to basically cut that in half. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to begin reading in chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, we'll go through verse 25 to begin with. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor any, has anything been kept secret, but it should come to light. If anyone hears, has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Folks, that's a frightening passage. Jesus has, as we see in the previous chapter, previous couple of massive, massive, massive numbers of people have been coming to him. He is ministering principally in Galilee. Massive peop- numbers of people have been coming to him from everywhere. In the previous chapter, it says they came from below Judea. They came from Idumea. They came from Judea. They came from Jerusalem. That's specified. He's in Galilee. They're coming from the, from the east. They're coming from the northwest. They're coming from Tyre and Sidon. Folks, as I mentioned last week, that's Jezebel's home area. That is, there are massive numbers of people coming to. <laughs> they're at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has to get onto a boat so he can pull away from the people so that he can teach them. Massive numbers. He's done all these amazing miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, all of this. That's the principal reason they're coming, but they're also hearing the Word of God. And what do we find here? We find this parable of the sower. Jesus speaks out this parable and offers no explanation. Then, when he's alone with the the apostles and other disciples... They ask him, why are you teaching in parables? And by the way, what does this mean? And Jesus says, really? This this is a real simple one. (laughs) But I'll explain it to you. But let's look at what he does. He gets into the boat and and he speaks out this parable. The sower. Now this is all part of the people who are there This is part of their own culture. Everything that he describes here is something they've witnessed repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. They've seen people in the spring when it's planting time. They get the big sacks of seed and they start scattering it. Well, some of them, some of it ends up on the roadside where it's not going to do any good. And as Jesus says, the birds come and take it away. Well, in the scripture, Birds are used, when they're used in a metaphorical sense, they're often a picture of demons. Satan takes away the word. Satan takes away. The last thing, what is the most powerful thing God can do? What is it that God does that accomplishes all of his purposes? He speaks. He spoke the creation into existence. How does the Gospel of John begin? It begins exactly the same way that Genesis begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void. It was a ruin and a desolation. It had been What we know from Ezekiel is that Satan had been cast down out of heaven. What had been a paradise becomes this absolute mess, a ball of dirt covered with water, covered with darkness, and Lucifer couldn't do a thing with it. 
after the humiliation was complete, verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and in six days restores the creation to a paradise. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, hint, 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 <laughs> was the Word, the speaker. And the speaker was with God. The Word was with God, face to face with God. And this is the Greek word order. And God was the Word. The speaker was God Himself. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The creative agent of the Godhead is God the Son. He was the one who did the work of Genesis chapter 1 and He is the one who came to us and He speaks and He speaks. When God purposes to accomplish something, He only, he only has to speak it and it becomes full reality. Can we say power? <laughs> Unrestrained power? Nothing is withheld from Him. So God speaks. The seed is sown. But some of that seed is taken away by the demons. And then the seed is sown. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth. Immediately sprang up and had no depth of earth. Well, then the Texas Hill Country, we all get this, right? The soil of the Texas Hill Country is full of rock. <laughs> get out there and try to till in the Texas Hill Country. You, you, there are very few places where it's easy. It's mostly rocky, 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 rocky. Very shallow. Not doesn't stuff doesn't do grow here very well. Okay, the stony ground, and it jumps up. It germinates, jumps up, but it doesn't get the roots down. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up. Why? Because the rocks make the ground nice and warm, nice and warm, nice and warm. So it immediately germinates, but then it collapses. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. So it did send roots down, but the thorns choked it. It was in a bad environment with other plants that were enemies. Some seed fell among thorns, thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced. They'd accomplished what the farmer wanted. <laughs> some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Do you understand this? Well, they can't understand it. As simple as it is, Jesus is actually going to express some surprise that the apostles and disciples have to, okay, what, what, is, what is this about? But they won't hear it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us ears to hear and eyes to see. Folks, God does the work. God does the work. 
not only to give us understanding of the message, but prompts us by the, his help, his enabling help, to embrace the message and be embraced back by the message. We can be very, very grateful that God is at an absolute charge of the process. Otherwise, folks, we would die. And trespasses, the seed, the seed would never germinate. It would never grow in us. We can be very thankful it's God that does the work. But there will be people in the crowd who will hear, they'll all hear the same word, they'll all receive the same seed, but its impact is different. Some people walk right away. They walk away. Just this last Monday, I went into a place, I turned in some uh, aluminum, got a whole $4.70 for this massive amount of but when I got paid, there were three tattooed guys standing there, and I started explaining the gospel to them. And I used the Tetelestai formulation, paid in full, paid in full. One of the three guys was a Christian. And he's, yes, amen, yes, yes, yes. And the other two guys are, they're getting it. They're getting it. But I don't know if that seed is going to stay and what kind of fruit it's going to bear. What kind of fruit is going to bear? And what we see here is exactly what we see in our own lives or the lives of other people who have professed faith in Christ. So we see, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, you only have ears to hear if the Holy Spirit gives you ears to hear. He gives you those ears. He opens your mind and heart. Verse 10, but when he was alone, not with the crowd, he was alone, those around him with the twelve, so it's not just the twelve, with the twelve, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. When I speak with you in private conversation, it's going to be straightforward, plain speech. It won't be parables. But with the crowd, it's parables. Why? Because, and he's not afraid of doing, if God the Holy Spirit is at work in a person, they're going to understand the parable. They will meditate on it, they will wrestle with it, and they will come to an understanding because God the Holy Spirit will grant that to them. To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, the word translated mystery, we could translate it, as it may say in the margin of some of your Bibles, secret. It's the Greek word mysterion, which means secret. For it has been given to you to know the mystery, the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Why? It's actually for their divine protection. You know, if somebody gets the deep, deep, deep truth of God and does not respond to it, they are more culpable, more guilty before God than the people who rejected God out of ignorance. So it's actually an act of kindness for him to speak to them in parables, knowing that God the Holy Spirit will be present to shepherd the purposed people into the kingdom. But it will not increase the condemnation of those who are not chosen. 
to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now, they're not purposing to do that to begin with, but who is in charge of their redemption, redemption process? The God who sends this son, His Son to be the Redeemer. God the Holy Spirit who sustains the entire process. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And basically, I think He's simply saying to them, Folk, Guys, this is a really easy one. <laughs> This is the easy one. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Ah. And as he makes that statement, I'm sure that the apostles and the other disciples surrounding there, oh, oh, okay. Okay. We got. Because now, with our, our, experience, our exposure to the Scripture as I was reading that passage, even before I got to Jesus' explanation, many of you had already heard the explanation. You already knew the seed was the Word of God. Well, he doesn't say that to the crowd. It's just a seed. It's just a picture. The sower sows the Word. Jesus was sowing the Word. He has been sowing the Word to these people. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes, the birds come. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which was sown in their hearts. Now, as I explained the gospel last Monday to these three fellows, this one fellow had already received the word. He is full of joy immediately. He already knows it's true and he's full of joy. The other two are Hmm, hmm, hmm. Now, I don't know what kind of soil they were. I don't know if they're going to move forward with that and receive it by enabling power of God's Holy Spirit. God has given them a disciple to be one of their people there they're, they're working with. Hmm. Maybe God didn't have me waste my time. He never does, by the way. <laughs> when they hear... The people uh, on the roadside, when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Then the second group, those sown on, the ones sown, the seeds sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And, or but, they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. A very clear picture of this is found in the Gospel of John chapter 6. Well, in the Gospel of John chapter 5, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And then his disciples, he goes up on a mountain to pray and the disciples get in a boat and they're heading across the Sea of Galilee and they're going against a very strong wind. They are making, making very slow progress. Jesus sees them and he walks on the water. And he's walking on the water across the Sea of Galilee and the apostles <clears throat> see him. That are, they're in the boat. They see him and they start freaking out. Is this some kind of a 
Spirit, is this song going to be? No, it's me, it's me, it's me. And he steps in the boat and calms the storm and they, they immediately show up in Capernaum. Bang. The next day, many, many, many of those 5,000 have made their way across the Sea of Galilee and they catch up with Jesus in Capernaum. And they say, oh, yes, 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 that was a wonderful miracle yesterday. We want another miracle of exactly the same kind. We want more bread. We want more bread. We want more. That's the kind of sign we want. More bread, more bread. And basic, there's a, there's a market right over here, folks. <laughs> you can go buy bread. And Jesus says, no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. You're going to see me crucified, dead, and buried. And they're like, what's going on? And, they re- and then Jesus gets very clear. He's surrounded by disciples there in Capernaum. But he starts getting very straight from the shoulder and explicit. I am the bread of life. You will experience life when you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Folks, he's saying, he's stating the gospel, he's stating these promises in deliberately obnoxious terms. I am the water of life. And it says there in John chapter 6, many of the disciples are, disciples, disciples, disciples are hearing this word and they're, and they turn away from him. Because he's being so explicit and frankly, deliberately obnoxious. If they are being dealt with and led by the Holy Spirit, they will walk past that obnoxious format of explaining the gospel truth to him. Jesus then turns to the 12 and he says, okay, guys, here's your opportunity. All these disciples are departing from him. Here's your chance. There's the door. And Peter, speaking on behalf of all of them, says, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And Jesus says a shocking thing. Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? This is at least two years before his betrayal. Wow. So here are the people. Likewise, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear, immediately receive it with gladness. We've all seen people. I can tell you right here in the ministry we've had here in Kerrville, Texas, lots of people who have received the word with gladness and actually appeared to be walking with the Lord for a while, and suddenly they disappear. And you find out they've gone back into their old life of sin. They received the word with gladness, and they walked... It's apparently walking in the kingdom, walking beside Jesus. And then they suddenly, where'd they go? Where'd they go? And you find out they went back to their old lives. They receive it immediately with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, because of this message of truth, they immediately, they stumble. Then the next category, 
Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. All of these things are things we are troubled by. We are tempted by, tested by. The cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. What do we have here? Afflict. One of the things afflicting the American church is the deceitfulness of riches. We have a whole category of churches called, and preachers called the name it and claim it. Oh, yeah, you give me, you fill my offering plate, and God will bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Yes, 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 yes. Wealth, 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 wealth. God wants you to have a wonderful life, wonderful, good, 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 good life. He doesn't want you to be tested, tried. Excuse me, the Bible says we will be. Why? Because he wants to qualify us for future kingdom glory. That's why. It's not the glory of this earth, which is passing away. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. People who actually had been bearing fruit for the kingdom become unfruitful. But these are the ones, the next category, these are the ones sown on good ground. And here he's speaking of the apostles, he's speaking to 11 of the 12. One sown on good ground, who, those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit, that's our job description. That's our job description, is that we would be seed sowers bearing fruit. This is not just the bearing fruit of seeing other people come to faith in Christ. This is bearing the fruit met, listed by Paul in the book of Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, temperance, self-control. That's bearing all of these things that we do in the strengthening power of God the Holy Spirit. That's fruit born to God for God's glory and our strengthening. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And God knows. God knows. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul speaks of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul writes for no other, verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, the day of Christ that is coming, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. Okay, gold, silver, precious stones, fire's not a problem. Wood, hay, straw, fire's a problem. Now, 
the fire it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it this foundation which is Jesus Christ and his redeeming work he will receive a reward God wants to add kingdom blessing to us there's the basic passage and then there's the extras he wants to Dump, unload as many extra blessings on us as possible in that kingdom to come. If anyone's work which he builds on and endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, wood, hay, straw, he will suffer loss. What? Of the reward he could have received. If his works had been gold, silver, precious stones, but if it's wood, hay, straw, not so good. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, the kingdom reward he could have received. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Will that individual be in the kingdom? Yes, but they won't have the extras God would have delighted to unload on them if they had walked an authentic walk of faith, persistent faith in him. Going back to Mark chapter 4. Verse 21. Also he said to them, A lamp is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? No. <laughs> Is it not to be set on a lampstand? You want as much, you, you light a candle or you light a lamp where you're burning the oil? You want as much benefit from that candle or that lamp as you can possibly get. You don't hide it. You put it on the table. You put it on a lampstand. You put it on an elevated place. You get as much benefit as possible. Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. God knows the fullness of all things. Nothing, 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 nothing is hidden from him. Be aware of that, Jesus says. Be aware of that. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. We prayed earlier about all of this stuff, the child trafficking and all, all this stuff that is being done supposedly in secret, while well, God sees it. God knows it to the smallest detail. Don't think you can hide anything from God. And every sinful act will either have been paid for by the blood of Christ, will have, we will have been found forgiveness for it because of Jesus' redemptive work, but those who reject Jesus' redemptive work, they're saying to God, okay, I can stand your judgment. No, it's going to result in the lake of fire. Human righteousness stinks to God, and there is an outcome. 
For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Then hear it. Then walk according to this reality. When we are tested by the enemy and drawn to a wicked act or even a wicked thought, we need to immediately deal with that in the strength of God's Holy Spirit according to His Word. Call on God and He will hear you. He will answer you. He will shepherd you through the test, that temptation. He will shepherd you. Jesus was tempted, tested in all points as we are, the Scripture says, yet without sin. We too can in the face of testing or temptation by the enabling power of his Holy Spirit we too can endure that without sin but we have to ask we have to purpose it if anyone has ears to hear let him hear then he said to them take heed what you hear Pay attention. This is a straight-from-the-shoulder warning. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. How kind, how generous, how gentle, how loving, how merciful are you? How good are you to other people? God takes his cues from you. The measure by which you are kind and gentle and generous with other people, merciful with other people, is the same measure by which God will be kind, generous, merciful to you. So if you want God to be kind, generous, merciful to you, gentle with you, hmm, be that with others. By his enabling power, be that with others. And he will be that with you. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, to you who hear, more will be given. If you, and hearing in the Bible doesn't mean I just, I get it, Lord, I get it. No, it means doing it. Hearing means you follow through and actually walk according to that. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. What did the apostle, what did the Holy Spirit say through Paul's pen there in 1 Corinthians? God is looking for opportunities to unload reward on you in his kingdom. He wants to be able to do that. As I said in the Sunday school class earlier, we got some grandparents here. Yeah, we got grand. Do you, do you have a problem uh, handing candy to your grandchildren? No. <laughs> you, you unload as much sugar on them as you possibly can, and then it, it's up to the parents to handle the result. But you get to, you get to unload the, the candies, candy on them. God is just like God wants to unload the blessing on us. We're the one that restrains his hand or opens his hand. 
opens is the measure by which you are generous, gracious with one another is the measure by which in, my, in that coming kingdom I will be able to be gracious and with you and generous with you. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. But whoever, for whoever has, to, more, to him more will be given. Wait, 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 Lord, they already got all this stuff there on their, in their pantry. Yeah, but they're generous with what's in their pantry. They're generous with their goods. Therefore, I am motivated to be generous with them. But whoever does not have, who has very little, even what he has will be taken. Why does he have little? Because he's been giving little. The more you give, the more God gives. The less you give, the less God gives. Even what he has will be taken away from him. God wants to unload his wealth on us. And we are the ones that determine the level of his generosity, both now and in that day. Be kind, be generous. Mark, be kind, be generous, be gentle. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. And God will provide, will supply you with opportunities, not that you can't meet, but that you can. Walk according to his wisdom, but have a spirit of generosity, of grace, with one another and with the people in the community around you as you are able, with God's wisdom and enabling power. Let's pray together. Our Lord, this isn't natural to us. This isn't native to us. We were all born with a nature to be self-centered. To serve ourselves. Only you, by your enabling power and loyalty to us, in walking with us, walking with us, walking with us, only you can do this in us we do ask that you will this week grant to us the opportunity to do exactly what you, Lord Jesus Christ, set before us today. We ask this of you, good shepherd, loyal Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.